Hello, this is my Final Fantasy VII Remake review. I finished the game, and now I'm here to talk about it. This review will be mostly spoiler-free. I may reference certain events, but I won't go too deep into detail. This is a hard game to talk about without spoiling anything, because there is so much exciting stuff in the game that is best experienced blind, whether you have played the original or not. <laughs> okay, let's get this... Uh, Let's get a few things straight. Um, I think Remake is a misleading thing to title the game, a, a misleading way of titling it because it's, uh, well, first of all, it's not only the first part of the game, it's not the whole game, right? It's not the whole version of Final Fantasy VII, uh, although we'll discuss whether or not the decision to make this game into parts was justified or not, um, but because this is not the same game as the original. It definitely follows the same story threads, but it is hugely expanded on taking the first to six to eight hours of the original game and turning that into an experience that took me 41 hours to beat. Mind you, I did pretty much all the side content, and if you ignored all of that, you'd likely finish the game closer to or just under 30 hours, maybe even sooner if you're really good, or just cruising through. Um, it takes me usually a little longer to finish games, maybe I'm bad. You would imagine that to expand 6-8 hours of content into 40 hours would spread a game really thin. But somehow this is quite the opposite. Aside from a couple of side missions and story moments that pad the game out a bit, this game is so much richer and denser. Now let me make this clear, I have not played the original Final Fantasy VII, I actually haven't played any Final Fantasy game before. But after I had finished this game, I watched some playthroughs and videos about the things that are different between um, these games, the original and this remake, until I felt confident in my understanding of the differences and the things that stayed the same. So, although I understand how these games contrast, I'm not going to talk too much about the original um, or compare the original to this game because I haven't played the original. I've only played this game but I will quickly explain what they have done here uh, with, with that in mind, and then I won't talk too much more about the original after that. This game is a reimagined version of the Midgar section from the original Final Fantasy VII. The story thread and direction is pretty much the same, but spends a lot more time fleshing out its characters, story, and world building, while also adding much more content, bosses, scenarios, and new stories and characters and plot elements while still maintaining the original game's structure, locations, and essence. Until the end, that is, and we will definitely discuss towards the end of this review what kind of happens in the ending. Well, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but I'm, we're, we're going to talk about it as vaguely as I can. That is what this game is, in comparison to the original for the most part. Um, with that out of the way, we can now discuss the remake as it is. I'm not going to do too much more comparing to the original. Um, so the game starts with an opening cinematic that presents the setting and tone of the game. It shows you Midgar and gives you a glimpse of the city's way of life and hints at the moral dilemma in maintaining it. When or we then are introduced to our main character, Cloud Strife, a mercenary and ex-soldier of the Shinra Power Company working alongside an eco-terrorist organization called Avalanche to effectively bring down the Shinra Power Company. 
Cloud himself has no rat in this race and is simply a mercenary for hire and doesn't seem to care what the job is. He is hard-edged, guarded, and re uh, reserved and is only in the job for the money. The game starts with you and members of Avalanche attempting to destroy one of Shinra's Mako reactors. As the story progresses, you and your fellow group of characters will put the lives of the people of Midgar on the line for a cause that becomes questionable if it's really worth fighting for. I love the story, its characters, and its world. I want to start this review, though, by getting all the questions about its technical performance and presentation out of the way first. So that's going to be our first topic. Speaking about its presentation, this is probably the first major thing about the game that I immediately fell in love with. The game is beautiful from its art direction, graphical fidelity, performance, animation, and scope. This game is really amazing to look at, particularly in its battles and its incredible backdrop. I can't count the amount of times that I decided to just look up and around me and admire the backdrop of the city. The lighting in this game feels so meticulous, especially at night, where the street lights and glowing of Mako energy creates a very distinct atmosphere and tone to the game that pulls you into the world. I very regularly would just stand and gawk at the design of the world and its scope, taking many screenshots that I guess I can't share with anyone except myself <laughs> at this point. Contrast this with some of the awesome set pieces, battles, and boss fights with flashy animations. You can feel the, the feedback of your actions uh, with beautiful particle effects from sparks flying, fire burning, magic casting, all clashing together that create... What is that sound? Is there someone here? Okay, I'm recording in my closet. <laughs> Hopefully no one can hear me. I'm very self-conscious about this. Uh, what, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, the magic casting, clashing, and all this kind of stuff uh, together, it creates such a spectacle at times in these battle sequences. It's not all perfect, though. Texture pop-ins are a regular and unfortunate occurrence, mostly within certain sectors of Midgar, usually affecting walls and doors. Sometimes I've had uh, instances where the textures didn't even pop in at all. However, I never found this to uh, happen in important moments or in combat. Just kind of when you're roaming some of the streets of Midgar and whatever, fast traveling, things like that. So there was no harm to the game's quality, but sometimes it broke my immersion. I think this game will be nominated for many things when game awards come around later this year, including its soundtrack. Final Fantasy games have always been known for their stellar music, and this is no exception. I love the music in this game. The swelling orchestrations bring great intensity to battles, and the soft emotional jingles and themes make my heart swell. I got pretty emotional in many moments of this game. Um, I I cried, I want to say like four-ish, four, four five times, um, and I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> Maybe a little, I, I don't know. This game gets emotional, man. I already have nostalgia for the soundtrack. I'm also really pleased with the variety, not just in the amount of tracks, but the contrast between them. Sometimes games can have soundtracks that feel very samey, 
But not here, the tracks are very distinct from each other. Character design and enemy design is pretty superb. They definitely had a fine line to walk when it came to designing the characters. Back on the PS1, the detail of characters, outfits, and choice of clothing was definitely reminiscent of that era and, of course, limitations, so they definitely had to be careful about how they wanted to approach modernizing these things. The game decidedly uh, stays very true to the original character designs, and I think it's all the better for it, even if Cloud's baggy pants and turtleneck look funny sometimes. However... Aside from important NPC characters, the other NPCs don't have much going on. Sound design is very good. I wouldn't say there is a whole lot going on when outside of combat, but when in combat, everything sounds very meaty, whether it's Cloud's sword slashes, Barret's gunshots, Tifa's fists, or Aerith's uh, spells. The game sounds good in those moments. Really, really good. The sound design is quite great. The game ran very well. It only runs at 30 frames, though... Um, not much, there wasn't any change in frame rate, it's very consistent, thankfully, and if there was any drops, it didn't drop low enough to be noticeable. Overall, the graphical aspect of this game is pretty impressive, especially when it comes to its battle sequences and backdrops of its environments. Wow, that's really the, the stuff that looks amazing in this game. Um, also, the pre-rendered cutscenes are insane. They are so good looking, along with its in-game cutscenes as well. I have played prettier games before, but this is a damn good looking game, and it's up there with some of the best. Let's spend time talking about how this game plays now. You will be playing mostly as Cloud, and will be traversing through fairly linear paths most of the time to get to your destination in the story's context. And while traversing, you will encounter enemies, whether it be monsters or Shinra soldiers, and enter a battle sequence that halts your progression until you have defeated these enemies. In between that, you'll have story moments, whether it be through dialogue or cutscenes. And then you also have a couple of sections in the game where you are free to explore environments and partake in side quests. This is pretty much how the game plays for most of the experience, with a couple of cool surprises that I won't spoil. Pretty typical JRPG structure. There is nothing wrong with this design philosophy. Most action games are designed in this way. The success of this design hinges on the quality of its combat system. Luckily, I have nothing but great things to say about the combat system. It's fantastic. And I think it does an awesome job in pleasing both action-oriented uh, players, you know, as I am one of those, and JRPG fans by creating a kind of hybrid between the two genres without sacrificing depth and is so well balanced. I don't want to sound like there has not been similar kinds of combat to this, um, but I think Final Fantasy VII has found its own version of this and has its own identity. There's great JRPG strategic play going on here with turn-based elements where you'll be deciding your approach to fight enemies. Your focus could be on either dealing more damage, building an enemy's stagger, exploiting its weaknesses, and which party member can best carry out this job, and in what combination should you use them. 
You can do this all in real-time action, or use the action command button to slow down combat and issue commands that way, which is usually what I did because if you want to do it all in real-time, it looks pretty awesome, but it can be kind of difficult because you want to make sure you're choosing the right commands and you don't you sometimes I need to think a little bit before I make a decision. But if you're really good at this game, you can just hit the L1 button and issue these commands you'd normally be kind of be pausing for um, and just keep everything flowing, which is pretty awesome. Then you have more the more orient the action oriented orientated side of combat, which you use to build up your ATB gauges, or is it ATP? I think it's ATB gauges so that you can make those decisions uh, make those decisions you'll need to attack enemies with basic or special attacks to fill your atb you will also build up your meter by blocking attacks which doesn't completely suppress damage but you will take a lot less you can dodge attacks as well but the decision between dodging and blocking is tricky because blocking is fairly easy but you will still take damage from attacks while if you dodge an attack you won't take any but dodging can be really tricky and open you up to taking a heavy combo of damage sometimes if you mess up you also need to think about where you are positioning your character when you decide to use an action command because you can whiff your attack and waste your ATB if you aren't close enough or in the right position to land the move. So you need to be thinking about that, uh, thinking about that too and position yourself properly. Or you could even hit more than one enemy, maximizing your efficiency depending on the ability and how your enemies have positioned themselves. Also, all the characters in your party play very differently and have unique abilities and playstyles that have different advantages. You can switch to play as any member in your party at any time very seamlessly or issue a command to them from the action menu to use an ability, magic, or an item without having to switch to them. However you want to succeed in combat, oh sorry, however, if you want to succeed in combat, you'll need to switch characters often and use moves that help build their ATB gauge quicker because without your control they will not execute moves that build up their gauge quickly at all. I think this is the only aspect where some people may take issue with the combat. You could say that this is annoying because the, your AI companions are not very effective on their own. But others will love this because it forces you to use all of your characters and abilities to their maximum efficiency and keeps you involved in every aspect of the combat. It makes it more fun because you're using all different kinds of combat styles. That is how I feel and I think it's one of the key aspects that makes the uh, combat fun and addicting. The combat can seem overwhelming at first if you're not used to games like this. I definitely was, but it is so consistent and polished that once you get the hang of it, it has a flow to it and satisfaction that I could not get enough of. I could play this game forever. It's also pretty streamlined and not complicated. There's nothing about it that feels unnecessary or tedious. Everything feels very thoughtful and deliberate in its combat model, even to the way uh, healing works. You can use potions or items you can't, sorry, use potions or items unless you have filled one of your ATB gauges, so you, you can't just rely on giving yourself potions all the time to top up your health. You gotta manage when to heal yourself, when you have the opportunity to over, uh, when you have the opportunity um, over using other abilities, you gotta decide what you wanna do. It's like a game of chess in many ways without having to wait your turn to move. The large enemy variety keeps every encounter feeling fresh as they all have unique weaknesses and abilities 
that keep you on your toes and constantly have you adapting to new situations. I love the combat in this game, if that hasn't been made clear yet. I could play this forever and never get bored. I think it's fantastic. After playing this game, I feel that I have opened up the possibility in trying more traditional turn-based uh, games that normally I would avoid now that I've been introduced to a system that functions similarly in real time. With that being said, I hope that JRPGs going forward follow a combat system akin to this more often. I wouldn't want it to replace turn-based combat. Uh, I think there is still a place for that, as long as it's deeper than Pokemon, at least. But I much prefer this. I prefer this real-time um, kind of compromise. I can't forget to mention how well the combat really shines in the boss battles. They are incredible, I love the boss fights. I'm not going to spoil them for you, but they are the highlights of the gameplay and some of the biggest challenges in the game. They are so climatic from the first boss of the game even, like I, they're, they're all really, really, really good. There's quite a lot of bosses too, some of them being optional. I guess that there is probably close to 30, I think, and nearly all of them are phenomenal. Now, if, of course, uh, along with combat, you have RPG systems that are pretty much what you would expect with some unique choices to the way that they function. For example, you level up as you gain experience. However, when you level up, you don't have to pick and choose which weapons can level up. All of your weapons level up together so that all your weapons are of the same effectiveness in accordance to their strengths, which you can add attributes to accordingly. Like, uh, you can increase the weapon's attack or magic damage, elemental abilities, increasing your defense, or add new materia slots to it. One of the cool things they've added in this game is an option for auto-upgrading, where you can choose a style of combat and the game will upgrade your equipment automatically when you level up according to your playstyle. I never did this because I wanted full control of my upgrades, but if you don't want to spend the time in the menu to do this, or are wanting a more casual experience, this is a great option. Each party member can have a piece of equipment as well that can boost their stats and give you extra materia slots. Materia is one of the game's unique features and is very important. Magic, uh, certain abilities and passive abilities can be used by equipping materia to your party members. You can find or earn materia, or buy it, and if you use enough, uh, if you use materia enough, you will level materia up and will be able to use new magic or more powerful abilities at the expense of magic points, which are separate from your ATB gauge, by the way. Totally different gauge. Materia can be found on the map, um, or you can have it earned in side quests or bought at shops. There is a lot of parts that make the whole of the gameplay here. There is a lot of different acting parts, the materia, you know, the upgrade systems, the combat itself, um, but it does such a good job at making the parts simple and straightforward that it is really easy to grasp while having complexity still. Um, that's the best way to sum up the gameplay. Everything adds together sensibly, and on top of that, it just feels so good to play. Every party member is responsive and controls super well. Cloud's sword strikes feel like he is actually bringing down an 80-pound sword, or heavier, however, however heavy, that, heavy that thing is, down on his enemies. Barrett's gun has a pounding feeling as you fire a charge shot. You can feel and see the connection of Tifa's kicks and punches. It just works, and just... Visually, on screen, everything just comes together in a symphony of combat, as I mentioned earlier, about how, you know, I mentioned earlier how great the combat looks. 
it just yeah it looks fantastic it feels fantastic i love the system it is a, a awesome awesome combat system i've heard some people having issues with the camera and i think what they meant by that was the camera sometimes framed itself in ways where you can't see all the enemies sometimes but i didn't have much issue with this i found the camera to frame the sequences pretty well um, and I think sometimes you've got to have you have to be aware of who's on screen, and sometimes they will be out of camera. But I, I didn't have an issue with it; it didn't bother me. I found this game to be so fun to play that I would put it pretty close to the same shelf as when it comes to its combat. Right? I would put it to the same shelf, or just below the shelf of something like God of War or Devil May Cry 5 when it comes to how much fun the gameplay can be. There are some things that hold the game back a bit, though. Um, that would be some of the that would be some of the side content. One of the most consistent criticisms I've heard about this game is that it has quite a bit of padding in the form of its side quests. And while I would agree that padding does exist in this game, I don't think it is to the extent as what some people are saying. To break it down simply, I would say that just under 30 hours of this game is main mission activities, and a good 10 to 15 hours is side content, but closer to 15 hours. I think 95% of the time you are engaging in the main mission chapters is quality content, while the remaining 5-ish percent are little moments that drag a bit, um, there's a little bit of padding here and there, or are simply there to give some downtime, which I think is needed. When it comes to the side content, some people have the opinion that pretty much all of it feels like padding, and I totally disagree with that. Out of like the 15 hours of side content, I would say more than half of it fleshes out the world and its characters more, had engaging combat scenarios, and added to the game. Um, I've lost my place. Give me a second. Okay. Um, and the other five hours of it felt, yeah, kind of like padding. It, if it was, I would say the other five hours out of that 15 were padding. There wasn't anything particularly exciting about those missions, and even some of them were just looking for certain things on the map with no combat involved, which were boring. I didn't like the mission where you had to look for cats and the other one for CDs. <laughs> I think there was another one you have to look for kids. That one wasn't too bad because it was quick. Um, but they were unnecessary. Um, I could have gone without those missions. You could actually take those quests in particular, those three I just mentioned, um, and just completely remove them from the game, and it wouldn't hurt the game at all. However, they aren't useless. You get some pretty sick rewards from doing all the side content, um, and I did pretty much, uh, I did every, pretty much every uh, side objective and, and mission in the game, and I enjoyed most of them um and I, I well i didn't really dislike any of them like i had fun doing all of them um at its best some of them were awesome fantastic and at worst they were a little underwhelming um whether you are doing one of the better or lesser side quests they serve as a great tool to break up the game a bit and are introduced at great times i think i think it helps the pacing of the game a lot you'll have different times in the game where it opens up and allows you to roam the sector you're in to partake in side quests. That's how it works. So like you play the main, main mission, main mission, main mission, and then you get to kind of a point where like, oh, you kind of can explore this area now. Um, early on in sector seven, the side quests are pretty decent. Later on, you go to sector five and they were a bit hit or miss for me. That was probably the point of the game where I didn't enjoy the side quests as much. 
Um, I pretty much loved everything in Wall Market. Um, in fact, Wall Market was just my favorite chapter of the game in general. And then later on, you can travel between a few areas for side missions. If you want to call it padding, I can understand that, but I really enjoyed a lot of the side content, and since it's totally optional, and you don't have to do it, um, although I find it worth it to do, um, not just because I enjoyed the content, but these missions often, you know, you get really good rewards from doing it. Um, and I think they're, yeah, I think they're totally worth it. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's really an issue. Um, that's just my opinion. I can see why some people f find the game to be padded out. I think it's a little bit, but it's, it's not really the thing I had a problem with. So I don't have a problem with the side quests, aside from some of the boring ones, and I think the main missions are excellent, aside from some very rare moments that drag. But if there's one thing that I do have some issue with is the game's linearity. It's a pretty linear game. I don't have a problem with the game being linear during its main mission sections, I, uh, particularly in its main mission sections. I think it keeps things on track in a good way during those parts. But during what is supposed to be these more open sections of the game where you can explore a bit and partake in those side quests, the game just feels too condensed. They should have widened the areas a bit and created more spaces to freely explore and maybe you could have ran into some scenarios that way. Like, I think this game could have had very much benefited from that. You could have gotten rid of, a, like, some of those side quests and had you stumble upon secret ones, right? Like, just by exploring a bit. And that would have been really cool. I think it would have uh, fixed some of the issues many people would have, including myself. I really like that. I really think... Um, that was missing from the game, you feel pretty restricted by both the narrowness of the sectors and the streets and the lack of areas to discover. I can understand the setting of this game can limit that a bit for sure, but hopefully in the next part they can expand on this. Um, I don't know where the next part really goes, but yeah, they could maybe expand on that in, in future installments. I also would have um, liked to see more mini games. There is some mini games here. Um, you can play darts, the box smashing game, challenge the gym bros, fighting the Colosseum and VR Stadium, which is great, and I would have liked to see if... I just, you know, I just would like to see a couple more. That's all. Just for fun. I feel like this game is, like, a perfect for, like, a Yakuza kind of treatment, you know? But aside from that, the linearity in, in the sectors uh, sections, I really loved the gameplay. It was excellent, and I found the pacing of boss fights and challenging encounters was mixed well in its progression. And the set pieces are just really top-notch, resulting in some awe-inspiring and heroic moments that make the game something you really don't want to miss out on. That's how I feel about the gameplay and design. For the next part here, we're going to cover the story. There might be some minor spoilers, but I will stay away from revealing anything major about some of the best moments and revelations. So, as I said at the beginning, you play as Cloud. Whether you have played a Final Fantasy game or not, almost anyone who plays video games is familiar with his character to some degree. Cloud is a man of few words, and prefers to do his talking with his sword. He's pretty calm in most situations, but he can be very rude and blunt no matter who he is talking to. He is task-orientated and doesn't have much interest in making friends or being social. He is very guarded and is only looking out for himself. I love Cloud as a character for two big reasons. The first one being his design mirrors his personality to a T. His huge, hard-edged buster sword, pointy hair, black clothes, and stern facial expressions 
express his desire to be left alone and protect himself. He doesn't fit in with any of the people around him or environments outside of battle scenarios, and he doesn't want to fit in. The other reason I love Cloud's character is because of how develop, uh, of how he develops and changes. As he continues working with Avalanche, he starts to grow strong bonds with these ragtag group of outlaws. He slowly lowers his guard to these people, and as they become friends, it becomes clear that Cloud isn't the asshole he sometimes tries to be. He is really kind-hearted and caring, but is always trying to suppress this vulnerability because, in his words, there's no room for that on the battlefield. I love watching Cloud's character develop as he learns to care about others more than himself. The whole cast of characters are awesome and develop in their own ways as well. One of the first characters you meet is Barrett, the leader of Avalanche, and, or that Avalanche group at least, and right off the bat, him and Cloud do not get along. I love Barrett, he's my, <laughs> undoubtedly my favorite character in the game. He's this big black guy with a gun for an arm, he's aggressive, passionate, He's an aggressive, passionate, aggressive, passionate environmentalist who truly believes in his cause and inspires and motivates his friends. It's great watching him and Cloud start the game off hating each other and end up respecting and learning from each other as Cloud opens up and Barrett learns some restraint. There's Tifa, who is constantly questioning herself and needs reassurance that she is doing the right thing constantly. Jessie, who is free-spirited and wants to prove to herself that she can do great things. Wedge, who is a pizza-loving goober who would die for his friends. Biggs, who acts as sort of a mediator of the group. And of course, Aerith, who isn't part of Avalanche, but is a character Cloud meets and uh, through her remarkable kindness and caring for other people, helps Cloud soften his heart. If you couldn't tell already, I love the characters in this game. And I haven't even mentioned like many of the awesome side characters and villains you'll be meeting along the way as well. So many of them are so fleshed out and interesting. The writing is so great, even if there are some moments here and there that fall into some of the corny JRPG kind of category of cheesiness. Most of the game isn't that way at all. It's really mature and thoughtful. The story itself has been given equal attention, as the clarity of whether your actions are right or wrong get blurred as the game goes on. It's definitely clear that Shinra Power Company are up to no good, but your cause to bring the company down, which will effectively destroy all the residents of Midgar's way of life, you kind of question really is, like, is your cause really that noble? Or are you destroying the well-being uh, and lives of your fellow citizens? There are some more tangible answers to this question that are discovered through the events of the story that I won't spoil, but part of what makes the story so investing is its moral ambiguity. You can see both sides, the bad guys, who are undeniably bad, but have a good reason for doing so. And in certain moments of the game, I was unsure of what the right thing to do was. Even the characters, like Tifa and Jesse, became unsure if they made the right choice. Maybe they were just terrorists. A really great inclusion to this game was allowing you to hear the conversations of all the citizens in Midgar and see how your actions have affected them. As you walk through the slums of Midgar, you will hear how afraid everyone is and about everything they have lost because of your actions. You'll hear different thoughts and opinions on the events that have unfolded, what people think about Shinra and Avalanche, and other things that add to the world building and flesh it out more. Some of it is really funny, some of it's enlightening, and sometimes you hear things that are really heartbreaking but it gives life to the city and makes it feel that it is truly being lived in. And I really love that aspect of it. It puts more weight on the consequences of your actions. 
The game isn't all gloom and doom though, there are tons of introspective and fun moments in the game as well. I said earlier that the wall market chapter was my favorite part of the game. Part of it is because the game takes a break from the high stakes action and dedicates a chapter focused on Cloud and Aerith's growing relationship, wild hijinks, new quirky characters, and ridiculous goofy moments. The game is consistently entertaining, heartfelt, and adventurous. There is there are incredible epic set pieces and high stakes scenarios around every corner and there are also many moments of character building and quiet conversations that are even more memorable. This is a great, great story that feels like a modern classic adventure, or rather the beginning of one, as this is only the first part, but does more than enough to stand as its own game. I'm going to discuss the ending of the game now, but I'm going to be as vague as I possibly can while doing so, because the ending has huge implications to this game's identity, themes, and its future. One of the biggest changes to this game was the addition of a new side plot involving these ghostly entities known as Whispers or the Arbiters of Fate. These entities never existed in the original game and their involvement in the game is a mystery until the last few hours of the game. You learn what they are and their purpose, but what that means for the game may not be clear until you reach the ending. And even then, unless you have played the original game, you will likely be very confused as to what the ending was all about. After beating the game, I felt that I had a general grasp on some of the events, but a lot of it uh, left me with so many questions. It was at this point where I started researching the differences between the original and the remake, and things started to become a lot clearer and the weight of the ending's purpose started to set in on me. Most of the game was pretty faithful to the original game until that ending. This is one of the most controversial decisions made to a game I've probably ever seen. There are definitely some issues to this ending narratively. It feels like quite a blatant switch of direction, and I think there needed to be a bit more to justify this drastic change, just from a writing perspective at least, but its implication... Uh, and its concept is something I love. It's extremely bold and risky, but I think it benefits. I think it benefits the game and what it is and what uh, is to come from future games immensely. And I really loved it. It puts the whole game into a new perspective, as there is now this meta narrative over top of it all. Now, some people totally uh, or completely hate this ending, and I think it that's totally fair. I think that this is a totally reasonable opinion to have, especially for fans of the original game. But for someone who doesn't have any attachment to the original, this ending excites me. And even for fans of the original who do love this ending, I could see those uh, with an open mind be really excited about this as well. I also believe that this ending justifies the game being split into parts. If you feel that it was a bad move to have it split into parts, I understand. But I think that one, the game is absolutely worth the full price, and two, we kind of needed a first part to establish what this game sets up, which is a very unknown future, but one I am greatly looking forward to. So, this game was incredible. I had a blast with it. It felt like the beginning of an epic saga in the same way A New Hope set up the first three Star Wars episodes, except there is so much more here. I loved almost everything about this game, with my only issue being some of the side content and linearity of the game. I've played a lot of games over this generation, and some of these games I would consider to be essential experiences. Final Fantasy VII Remake is one of them, and as it stands, it's my current game of the year. 
Even with games like Cyberpunk and The Last of Us Part 2 coming out this year, I think it'll be very hard for a game to change my mind about that. I'm giving Final Fantasy VII Remake a 9.5 out of 10. Thank you for listening to my review. Um, I'm hoping to do another episode pretty soon uh, talking about a couple of movies. But yeah, Final Fantasy VII, man. I did not think I was going to love this game as much as I did. I really think y'all should play it. I think it's a must-play game. It, it It's incredible. I had a great, great time. It's an incredible adventure that you need to partake in. Um, I can see why the original is upheld so highly. Anyhow, that's all I have to say about that. Goodbye.